Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Simmons Slayers podcast. We have a very special episode for you guys today. We are doing a somewhat mid-year review for the year 2018. We're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and what we're excited about coming in the year to come. Of course, I am joined, as always, by the man who will never reach the podcasting heights that I have, Justin. Hey, city fans, when I'm not wrestling at Ring of Honor, punching somebody in the face, I'm watching and reviewing movies. It's good to see you guys. Let's fire the cannons. <laughs> and as always, again, we are joined by the woman who is fresh off a Texas vacation, Heather. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. And finally joined by the man who was impressed by Iggy Azalea today, Devin. Hey, guys. Thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. And after much video research, I am confident in saying that uh, Iggy Azalea can hold you down like she given lessons in physics. <laughs> All right. And starting us off right now with their favorite so far of the year 2018, Devin. Okay, guys. So 2018 has been a great year for films, um, for me, especially comic book films. Um, I've been marinating on this all day long since um, I was given this bombshell of a question. Uh, I want to um, I want to preface this by saying that I haven't seen some films that I want to see this year. So this could change. But, you know, I still need to see Mission Impossible, which I want to go see this weekend. Heard great things about it. I haven't seen um, Sorry to Bother You. Cause it's not anywhere near me. Cause you know, small towns and all that good stuff. And there's just a few little gems in there, but those are the two that I've been looking most forward to that I haven't got to view. So I'm going to go ahead and say, um, a movie that <clears throat> I really just liked. Um, and I, I enjoy watching the film and I know this is going to be cliche and I know we're supposed to be, um, next level critics, but to be honest, it's infinity war. Um, I just, I was so impressed with, what they were able to accomplish in that film, the scale, the scope, the balancing of the characters, um, the, the narrative, um, bringing out Thanos so strong and having him succeed and being so true to the themes of the comic, but also doing something really completely different with the character. When you look at the motivations of Thanos uh, in the comic book, when he's like, I'm trying to impress my girlfriend by killing everybody. Um, you know, the good one's always taken, right? Um, and then, um, what his motivations were for Infinity War in the MCU. Um, I just think it was just a really great translation, um, from comic book to film. And, um, that right there is, is probably what I enjoyed most in theaters. Was it the best movie of 2018? Yes. Is it the one that I like the best? Yes. <laughs> uh, and then also Black Panther, of course. I don't, I don't know. It feels like Black Panther to me. Is it feels so far away. It's just been so much good stuff coming out, whether you're talking about hereditary or or you're talking about um just any of the great films that have come out this year. Uh and it just seems like wow, you know, Black Panther came out so long ago, but really it was February. And it is just crazy to see all the quality that's been produced since then. So uh that's that's my vote. And um yeah, that's it. Heather? Yeah, um my choice for probably my favorite movie of this year so far. I'm going to have to go with A Quiet Place. Um, I just can't say enough good things about that movie. It's just it, the fact that it was John Krasinski's, you know, directing debut, um, the acting in it, Emily Blunt just was a standout and 
probably one of the best like performances I've ever seen her do. And just the story of it, how they actually just, you know, filmed the movie and even just the story itself and how they told the story throughout the movie with, you know, as little words as they possibly could. It was just a very clever idea for a movie that was pulled off really well. There were so many places where it definitely could have gone wrong. And they just made everything in that movie work so well. And um, yeah, I just the blown away by the cast and just blown away by the, you know, the very creative things that they came up with on how to communicate and survive without using words. And it was just very, it was a very impressive movie and just a really, they just did a really good job with that. So for me, I'm going to have to say A Quiet Place so far is my favorite and I'm always a fan of like, you know, thrillers, mysteries, you know, suspense, all of that. So there was for sure a ton of that with it too. So that's going to be my pick. And Justin, fire those cannons. Boom, boom, crash, crash, blast. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> okay. So um, to start this off, I, I think I'm going to preface it similar to what um, Devin did. There are several movies this year that I haven't seen yet. So while I'm going to be picking a best, there are some things that I really, really want to see that came out in 2018. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor was a documentary about Mr. Rogers. That's something that I really want to see. I keep hearing great things about it. I ran into some friends that saw it and they were just raving about how great that was. So that's one. Uh, Devin mentioned Sorry to Bother You. There's a movie coming out. Actually, this weekend, Black Klansman. It's Spike Lee's newest movie. Yes. Um, I'm going to see that this weekend. Really, really looking forward to that. Heard a lot of great things about that. Um, man, there are just so many good movies that came out this year that I haven't seen yet. But of the ones that I've seen, I've I've been thinking about it all day, man. Which one would what, what would be a favorite? What should I say? What should I say? So um, we already had someone talk about Infinity War. Um, A Quiet Place uh, mentioned by Heather was another one that was in my list. But I'm going to go with the second Incredibles. I'm going to go with Incredibles 2 as one of my favorites that I saw this year thus far. Um, man, you want to talk about picking up where it left off. The, the moment the movie starts and I'm... Anxiously awaiting this movie. We've all been awaiting this movie. It's been, what, a 14, 15-year wait since The Last Incredibles came out. And I mean, talk about picking up where it left off. It was almost as if there hadn't been a 14-year gap. I was immediately drawn back into this world that was created by Pixar for this film. And it was just such a wonderful story. They take the focus off of Mr. Incredible, and now we're following Mrs. Incredible and I'm not going to ruin too much of the plot here, although it's been out a while. So if you haven't seen it, you know, what are you waiting for? You must go see it. But man, I love what they did with the plot. I liked the villain in this movie. I mean, this is very smartly written. There were so many funny moments. There were so many just really awesome moments with all of the characters in this movie. And I can't say enough about how great this was. It was so satisfying. And when I walked out of the theater and someone asked me, which one do you think was better? Was this better than the first Incredibles? I I really had a tough time saying that it was inferior. I, I really did because I enjoyed this just as much. 
I thought it, it it had just as much intelligence. It affected me a lot of the same ways the first movie did. And it's just amazing that they created this superhero family and Pixar is two for two. And it's just sad that we still can't get a good Fantastic Four movie. So it just makes me really sad that Fantastic Four has had all these attempts and it hasn't come close to the excellence that Pixar has created with this superhero family. So I'm going with Incredibles 2 as um, a personal favorite of mine thus far this year. Great pick, Jaston. But I have something to say about Incredibles 2. Now, if you guys have seen that film uh, before the movie, they have this nice little vignette about, oh, we're sorry for the wait, but we want to thank the fans. And I just want you to understand that that oh, yeah. uh, an animated <laughs> film, an animated film takes a long time to make. And that's why we haven't made any more Incredibles movies. Let me hit you guys up with something. OK, 14 years. Let me show you guys something. After Incredibles, movies that were made. Cars. Ratatouille. Wally. Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, and Coco. <laughs> so I just want to call a big round of bullshit to Pixar. Uh, you were too busy printing money, uh, and that's <laughs> why you didn't make another Incredible Movies, because you didn't feel it was a financially viable solution. And then once everybody asked you for 14 years and we begged you and you were certain it was going to make a billion dollars, you decided to make another one. And I can't really fault you for your strategy because it worked. And I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, a little side note about that. Incredibles 2 is the highest grossing animated film of all time. So obviously people were excited to watch that. Wow. I didn't even know that. I hadn't been checking its box office score, but wow, I did not know that. That's awesome. I didn't either. Yeah. Yep, just made a shit ton of money. Um, all right, on to me. My favorite movie of this year so far, and I'm going to throw everybody for for a loop with this one because no one's going to expect this, is Paddington 2. I just saw Paddington ah. 1 and I loved it. Uh, yeah, Paddington 2 is amazing. It's one of those movies, it's one of the few movies to have just a ton of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and still be 100%. And knowing Rotten Tomatoes, it's not saying that it's a perfect movie. It's just saying that in general, 100% of reviewers had a favorable opinion of this movie, and I completely see why. While you do feel like while it is a kid's movie, it doesn't feel like a kid's movie. Like, yes, there are some dumb kid jokes and things like that, and they don't do the DreamWorks thing where they just throw in some weird adult humor that you're just like, that's fucking out of place. They just do a really good job of making this movie to where no matter what age you are, you can watch this movie and enjoy it. You know, I was in a theater full of of children and they were laughing. But at the same time, like there are parents and like me, we were laughing, too. And it was one of those movies that when you watch it, it just it's so well made. This bear is perfectly animated into this movie. I mean, you have this the main character of this movie is computer generated and no one else in this movie is with the exception of the two other bears that it shows. But it's still one of those things where it is. A focus is a computer animated character and it feels like it's in that world. Like at no point are you just like, oh, that's not right. No, you feel like that bear is is there. Everybody in it's great. Hugh Grant plays the villain and he's fucking fantastic. Uh, you have Brandon Gleason um, in it playing this hardened criminal and he's just great. Like everything about this feels like what good 
essentially family movies are something like an Incredibles or something like that, where it's a movie that it, while it looks like it should cater to just kids, it's a movie that anybody can watch at any time and they're going to enjoy it. And like, it's going to be like that for a while. It's not dated. You know, it's not going to be one of those things where you watch it in five years and you're just gonna be like, Oh, this feels out of place. It really does feel like you can watch this movie you know, in five, 10, 20 years later, and it's still going to feel right just because of how they filmed it. And I cannot just stress how much I enjoyed watching that movie. Well done. I, uh, I did not expect you to say that, but I, I remember you complimenting that movie a lot and I have not seen Paddington one yet. So I'm like going to do a thing where I'm just going to bi- binge watch both of them. I'm just going to try to watch them both. Um, whenever two is, it's two available. On Redbox or anything like that yet? Probably is, right? Uh, well, been... it should be. It should be. It, okay. it came out in February or January or February, so it should be out on something now. I know it's been on okay. iTunes for year or for months now. Um, but I will okay. say this, Justin. When I watched Paddington Two, I had not seen the first one yet. I had not seen oh, the really? first one, and I had. I just. I was. It was pure curiosity is why I watched it. Like I said, it had a hundred plus reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and was still at a hundred percent where I think it's the fourth movie ever to do that. And so I was just like, really, really Paddington Bear 2 is getting that. And no, it's justified. Like I said, it's not a perfect movie like that score would imply to some people, but it is one of those movies to where I see 100% of people watching it. As long as they're not being contrarian assholes are going to at least have a favorable opinion of that movie. And yeah, like I said, I hadn't seen the first one and I had no issues with that. I saw the first one, uh, I think a month or two after I watched it. So I really don't think that's an issue. Well, I'll tell you guys, I was curious about Paddington also about what's under that overcoat. And let me tell you something. It was adorable little teddy bear tummy. And I thought it was great. Especially, especially because of like all the, you know, the Marvel movies that came out and uh, Mission Impossible and all that. So I'm actually very surprised that that's your your favorite movie of the year so far. And I, and a lot of it does have to do with how surprised I was by it. I mean, going into Mission Impossible 6, which I cannot say enough good things about that. It's it's damn near, damn near Ghost Protocol on quality. It it was very hard. But just like thinking back on it, like I just I loved Paddington Bear too. like. I was just so surprised and I went along for this ride and in no way, shape or form was I disappointed or felt let down or even out of place. Like it was just 100% enjoyment from the moment that movie started to when it ended. And like, like I said, it, it got me hooked on that franchise because then I went back and I watched the first one and I've now seen both the first and second one, I think two or three times each. So you liked the first one too. Yo, yeah. The first one's great. Uh, they just they did a really good job of expanding on it and you know just keep going with it and you know, and like i said i just i can't undersell like that movie and like at all there's just zero reason not to watch it i don't care if you're just the most die hard of horror film fans and that's all you can watch if it's nonstop blood and gore i guarantee you there's something in paddington bear 2 that you will enjoy i just don't see how Anybody could watch that and not enjoy it in some way, shape, or form. What if, what if you are um, the ghost of the grizzly man, Timothy Treadwell? Uh, would you have a problem with it? No, because it would at least remind you why you loved bears in the first place. Very nice. Now, I do nice. have one other question. I have one other question. Um, you said you've already seen the new Mission Impossible, correct? 
Yes. So does um, Henry Cavill's uh, digitally remove mustache? Is it as glorious as it as it should have been, seeing it was removed in uh, Justice League? Was it worth it? I completely understand why Mission Impossible was saying "fuck you" to to Warner Brothers. We're keeping the stash. All right. I just want to make sure it was worth the stash. Was the stash worth the cash? It was because it was that perfect amount of single, like solo stash with light stubble. Oh, mm. it was severely on point. Very nice. <laughs> I can't do that. I got to have it. I got to have it full regalian. If a black dude has it, he's just he looks like he's been in prison for a little bit too long. He's lost himself. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that, but I haven't seen my cheeks in years, so I'm kind of scared at this point. You know, um, I really feel sorry for like people who um, are forced to have chin straps, but they don't have a chin uh, because you can totally tell that they don't have a chin and they're convinced that it's helping them, but it's not. Yeah, it kind of just <laughs> accentuates at that yeah, point. It does. It's just like, oh, wow. It's like a frame. You know, like when you when you post a meme and you like put a border on it that's you putting the border on your your chinless jawless visage <laughs> and on that note Devin, what was a movie you did not like in 2018 oh brother do i have a response for you a movie that i didn't like in 2018 that movie really hurt my feelings because it had um jason bateman in it and uh that's all i needed i was sold <laughs> Game night. I know where you're going with this. Yep. Game night was a roxious piece of crap. And I don't know why so many people liked it and recommended it. It tested a lot of my friendships. And um, I just wish it had never been made. Um, I'm so curious why you didn't like it. Okay. Here's why I didn't like it. Situational comedy is a very tricky thing. Because if you make a movie based off of one situation, just a single situation, and you build around it, the more layers you add around it, uh, the more improbable it seems. I'll, I'll cite you The Hangover. Um, the first one is great. Uh, the second one tried to build on the same concept and was pretty much the first one. And then the third one just completely lost its way. I felt that it hangovered in this one movie. Um, the beginning of the movie is good enough. They play games. They've been doing it for a while. They get older, that whole thing. We used to do these things when we were younger, but we lost them. But here's the one thing we hold on to. I'm completely fine with that. But when it gets into the meat of the plot, um, it just goes completely off the rails uh, and just becomes completely unbelievable. And I understand it's a movie and, you know, you have to give way. But um, there's one scene where Jason Bateman um, is he's shot or stabbed? He's shot. Um, yeah, and he shot goes over. He, he, yeah, he's shot in the arm, and he goes to a, a, a pseudo friend's house, and he proceeds to bleed a Quentin Tarantino's amount quantity, a Quentin Tarantino's quantity of blood all over this man's dog, all over his room, everywhere, and this happens in about thirty seconds, and he he continues to gallivant um, around the city, um, just bleeding, just bleeding everywhere. They never stop the bleeding. And he does not die. He doesn't even get woozy after a little stupid. Nothing. Nothing happens. He's just fine. And then there's just this convoluted jigsaw-like cop scenario with that dude from 
Um, he's been a lot of things, but you might remember him from Breaking Bad, the dude who shot that kid on Jesse the Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. So there's just this whole subplot of him setting up this whole robbery game night thing, abduction scenario. Uh, and there's just this cool brother who turns out to be a sleazebag thing. And there's just so many. Oh, God, it's just a pain to watch after the first like 40 minutes. And it's like two hours long. So it just keeps going. And they keep getting in these situations that uh, you'd be dead in. You'd just be dead. And um, <laughs> at the end of the movie, the the cop is like, and I'm Jigsaw, too. And I had this crazy convoluted plan to come up with all of these. And um, General Zemo would go, that was a convoluted plan right there. That didn't make any sense. It's relying so much on luck and happenstance. So um, to hell with game night. It's awful. I don't care if you like it. <laughs> I don't care if that's a that's like a movie you like watched and met your wife. Uh, you guys should always stick together because you know how bad your life can, can get because you both have seen Game Night. Movie sucks. <laughs> if I can just interject for one second, I will say it's funny that you say that about that movie because that's actually probably one of the movies I most enjoyed this year so far. And I would say you are correct that it's definitely over the top and it's definitely like these are ridiculous situations and nothing's like this would never happen ever in a million years. But I think that it was never boring for one. I will say throughout the whole movie, you were never bored. You were always kind of like, what's going to happen next? (laughs) True. But for me specifically, I will say. And um and I just feel like their jokes were, they weren't ever like stupid, cheesy jokes. Like, I feel like all the jokes they did, they actually landed, you know? So it was a very amusing, very amusing humor, I think, minus the slapstick, which can be a little over the top. But it just, I think it was a pretty well done movie. Like, you just, you there are definitely things you don't see coming. And I, I think of those types of movies, which they try to do all the time, I would say it's probably one of the better ones. So... I, I do see your point about how like super over the top it was, but I I enjoyed it and I don't usually like slapstick, like that kind of comedy movies. But I for whatever reason, and maybe it's because it's Jason Bateman and he's hilarious, and Kyle Chandler and Jesse Plemons, like they had a great cast of people. Um maybe that's why I liked it, because I thought they all did a great job. But um it's just funny that like that's that probably would have been one of my top choices actually. So that's yeah. I, I can understand that, man. But honestly, um, if you want to see that's Heather's situational comedy recommendation. And like I said, it, it's it's not the worst movie ever made, but I just really wish I hadn't wasted my time to see it. I really I you just, just thought really it wish. was overrated. And, I just, it's yeah, so okay. overrated. And that's what kind of makes me spit a lot of vitriol about it, because people talk about it as like it's a really great movie. And I'm just like, no. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not good. It's, 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 it's watchable. It's passable, but it is not. I mean, when that dude gets sucked into the propeller, but she does it, I'm like, you're two feet away. Do you not know any, whatever, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Whatever, dude. Um, But if you want to see my recommendation, if you're, you want a situational comedy, that's going to make you laugh. um, I liked blockers. Uh, Purely because of John Cena. Oh, I, I haven't mean, seen that yet. He rips that. And everybody's really funny in that movie. But Blockers, uh, me and my wife watched that together. And, and we really did enjoy it. Um, and I've heard that's kind of a polarizing movie. But it's just kind of honest. And there's, you know, teenage angst and, you know, sexual situations. So maybe that's what 
people didn't like about it, kind of polarized it. But man, I loved it. There's just some really good parental, you know, moments that you can identify with. Um, and there's some really great coming of age messages in there too, uh, for, you know, people who aren't parents. So I think they balance those things really well. And I was happy I spent my $5 when I rented it. Had a good time. Nice. I actually haven't seen that one yet. Check it out. And on that note, Justin, what is something that you did not like in 2018? So most of the movies that I saw in 2018 were, I mean, I saw a lot of the movies that were highly reviewed and things like that. So there, I didn't have too many dis- um There wasn't like a bad movie I saw. But I will comment on a movie that I think um, was definitely disappointing. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. And I'm talking about the Equalizer Two. Um, when I saw the preview for this, it, it the 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 I couldn't help but ask myself the question: Why did this film need a sequel? I mean, if you've seen the 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 first Equalizer. It was really, it was kind of different because you had Denzel Washington and of course he brings us a, 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 like a very sophisticated kind of, um, very meticulous kind of charisma to the role of this, of this man and the, the way he went about hunting down these people for the motive of revenge. You know, it was a real simple movie, but it was the, but, but what made it different was the character, um, McCall. The, his character, the the way he went about doing things, the way he rationalized what he was doing, um, his motivation for what he was doing. That's what kind of made Equalizer stand out to me. That kind of made it. And Denzel Washington's performance made it sort of rise above some of the cliches you notice in it. Well, sometimes when it comes to a sequel, especially a sequel like that, where sometimes the acting performances and the appeal of a character sort of lifts the movie higher than you think it should go. Well, in a sequel, we've already done those things. We've already developed this character. We've already seen, we've already found out who he is. So that's where Equalizer 2, I think, really runs into issues, is that because we've already developed this character, we already know who this character is. So nothing feels new Nothing feels like a breath of fresh air. It almost just feels like as if it was the second episode of a show that you're watching. Like, you know, things just kind of continue on. It's just business as usual. The situations that the character put in an Equalizer 2, you know exactly where this film is going. It's very predictable. It's very by the numbers. And of course, Denzel Washington is great. He still delivers a great performance here but man the but but the story here just doesn't do him any favors and like i said just very predictable very by the numbers you know exactly where it's going and eventually it gets there there are really no surprises and i think in that way it really underperforms versus its uh predecessor equalizer one which i thought was much better than this so definitely one of my bigger disappointments this year. Um, funny fact about um, Black Taken um, is that that's actually Denzel Washington's <laughs> first sequel. 
Oh, it is. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's the first true. sequel he's yeah. ever done. He's he's never done a sequel. So you can say that Denzel um can't make a good sequel. He's not um a viable <laughs> lead for a sequel. He's not franchisable. That's hmm. crazy, huh? He's not franchisable. Interesting. Very interesting. I did not know that was his first sequel, but yeah, you're right. Normally he's a one and done kind of guy. You know, and maybe that's why this felt weird also. Like like even when I saw the previews for it, I was like, was there really a need for another one of these? Uh, but, but you know. Just like Taken. Yeah, I remember Things make that money. Yeah. And, you know, but the first one made money, I think, did better than they thought it would do. They, like, it did a, a lot. Like, it really overachieved. And I think you, and of course, you know, people are like, oh, well, they like this one. They'll definitely come to see a sequel. But, man, it just, it's nothing like the first. It just doesn't give you any of the feelings that the first one gave. Yeah, like, I, I just think it's funny because, for one, I feel like even though it's Denzel's first sequel, he probably did a better job in his sequel than most people do, like, in anything. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I just, that is interesting. And I do feel like a lot of people probably did go see it because it was Denzel Washington. Like, people love his movies, and they they know he's going to deliver in whatever performance he does. And I feel like that really probably is a big reason why people wanted to see a second one. Yes. And the thing is, is that I know that there would be people that walked out of there. There are even people that I spoke to, and they said they liked it. And some of them were like, oh, it's better than the first one. And I totally disagree with that. I don't know how you arrived to that conclusion, because this is... A uh, much more of a slow burn, but it's it, but it feels even slower than the original because at least in the original Equalizer, you were intrigued by this character. You wanted to know, oh man, what what what? Why is he doing these things? What makes him tick? You were learning about the character, and that made it so much more interesting. So even though you had kind of this simple plot of revenge, I was learning about this Robert McCall character. But this one doesn't have that luxury. So it just, you know, so even though Denzel is doing incredible acting, you, there's nothing. It's like there's nothing interesting happening around this character. Nothing that you had, that you didn't already see or nothing that was more appealing than what you saw in the original film. But so, yeah, um, I can definitely see what you're talking about, though. So I sure. guess you could say even though Denzel Washington can balance the box office he's not a good sequelizer <laughs> how did i know <laughs> some kind of joke like that was coming <laughs> i fucking hate you <laughs> oh that was a good one i held that one in i mean i was holding it in the entire time dad jokes dad jokes <laughs> those dad <I'm> jokes <laughs> all right and heather what is something you did not like in 2018 well, I will also agree with Jason on his point that there weren't really any movies that I saw this year that I was like, that's absolutely terrible. I hated it. This is the worst thing ever. Um, I would also say for my choice, just slightly disappointed and just a movie. I, it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And that movie is Tag, uh, which is that new comedy uh, that just came out, I want to say a month or so ago, um, about the group of friends. Yeah, it's about that group of friends that have been playing the same game of tag for 30 years. And um, <laughs> it, it sounded hilarious, like the, the premise of it and just the people they put in the movie. I was like, this is probably going to be really good. 
And it was only okay. You know, it was like, I mean, they just, I feel like they kind of wasted some really good comedy moments or they wasted really good comedians <laughs> with just mediocre of the storyline and the jokes. So it, and it just took like a, a somewhat dark and uh, unexpected turn towards the end of it that I just didn't see coming. And it just kind of made the whole feel of the movie shift from like, though this is funny and lighthearted to, Oh, nope, no, it's not. <laughs> so it just, it just kind of, it was, I guess, jarring is the word for it because it just didn't at all at the end of it turn out like what I expected it was going to be. It wasn't at all like, Oh, this is an awful movie. The worst thing I've ever seen, but it was just disappointing. It just, it was not what I was hoping it would be considering all the people in it that I thought, you know, um, and I think what's his name? Jeremy Renner, I believe is his name. He's, he's great, you know, and he, I mean, he's good in all his action movies and then just seeing a more, you know, funny side of him in this, you know, that was great. But overall, I just feel like the story shifted too much and it was not consistent enough for me to feel like it was a good comedy. That really makes me sad, Heather, because yeah, when I saw the preview for that film, it had a lot of really funny people in it. It had a it had it had what I thought was a good cast. Um, I can mm-hmm. never remember the actor's name. The one that plays Andy on The Office. What's his name? Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Yeah. Yes. Helms. It had him and he was in there. And like you said, I saw Jeremy Renner in there, and I was like, "Man, dude, this might this might actually be funny. I want to give this a shot." But man, it really it sounds like the writing and the script kind of let him down. So. Man, that's mm-hmm. a that's a downer. I guess I'll have to wait on that one. Which is kind of a bummer because it was based on a true story. Or I mean, who knows how loosely or not loosely it was. But yeah, it, I mean, that's why I was like, this will be interesting. Like a comedy that's sort of based on, you know, a real thing. And yeah, I think you're right. The writing is just kind of, yeah, it was a letdown. Sterling tagged your in. All right, on to me. So my movie, my worst of 2018 is the infamous... Hereditary. Hereditary. I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is. It was by far the worst movie for me this year. Um, I haven't gotten to see as many movies as I would have liked to, but for the most part, every time I've gone to see a movie, I've liked it. And unfortunately, no, that is by far the worst one for me so far. Um, it was completely overrated. Uh, I don't agree with pretty much anything and if you really need me to explain it more just go listen to me rant about how much i hated it in our podcast that we already did on it because yeah i just know and especially after i found out uh some of the things about it later i didn't like it even more so i just i cannot get behind that movie i guess i kind of understand why other people liked it um but fuck you you're wrong it's bad Ooh, don't get that boy started the <laughs> Wait, Sterling, but I will ask this because I know we kind of talked about this movie before. Pitch Perfect 3. You definitely didn't like that one either. This is worse than that? It's not worse than that, but that is technically a 2017 movie. So. Is it? Yep. When did that come out? Um, I want to say that came out December 21st or 2nd. Um, uh, okay. Of 2017. Disregard. My bad. Yep. If if that had come out this year, that would have been it because that movie, especially compared to the first two, is drastically fucking bad. But <laughs> nope, 
It is 100% hereditary this year. I will go out on a limb and I will say this. I drastically enjoyed Jurassic Park 2 or Jurassic World 2 Fallen Kingdom more oh, than hereditary. Man, I forgot about Fallen Kingdom. I had a Kingdom. better time. Jesus. Oh, man. It was, it was way less of a waste of time, at least in Jurassic World. I got to see some cool ass dinosaur shit. And that <laughs> infinitely makes it better. I would like to, I might want to give Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom a silver medal from uh, my pick. It's a white gold medal. I mean, I'm talking about it is real close up there to the worst movie I've seen. It's not awful. It's not terrible. But that movie, man, I got I would love to do a podcast about how much I just don't like that movie. I would love to. I'm totally done to do one because I, I, I did. I legitimately enjoyed Jurassic World too. Um, it, and, and not to say that it doesn't have its problems. It is not as good as the first Jurassic World, but I could easily say that it is in my top three Jurassic themed movies of the five movies. It'd be my top three. I think the Lego Indominus Escape movie is better than that movie. Well, you know what? I haven't <laughs> seen that. Um, so I won't comment on that. <laughs> But I will say it is better than Lost World, and that's just because Lost World completely loses its way at the end. So much so that I I can't, it it gives me issues. And the Jurassic World World 3, or Jurassic Park 3, fuck everybody, that is infinitely the worst movie of the Jurassic Saga. Yes, the talking raptors alone. Just the scene of the raptor in Dr. Alan Grant's dream talking to him. Yeah, that that dream sequence alone is worse than anything you will see in all of Jurassic World 2. But yes, Hereditary is my worst movie. Um, So let's let's just talk a little bit, guys. Um, What's something that maybe surprised you real quick in 2018? Good or bad? Uh, No particular anything. Let's start with Justin. Um, So for me. Uh, a big surprise for me was definitely the latest Mission Impossible that came out. Um, this now, of course, it was getting it's been getting rave reviews. It's one of the highest reviewed movies on uh, Rotten Tomatoes at the moment with 97 percent, I believe. And there's like well over 100 reviews on the Rotten Tomatoes side and even the audience reviews. Its percentage score is pretty high. and I just honestly, it was a surprise because there have been so many of these Mission Impossible movies. And at some point, you just expect that something like this is going to run out of steam, but it hasn't. Tom Cruise was amazing in this film. Um, I, I, I almost want to say that Henry Cavill, out of all the movies that I've seen him in that he's done, I want I really think that I enjoyed him in this the most. I really thought that they had a really good chemistry that really um, just ignited the movie, kept you interested the whole time. This movie steps on the gas pedal in a good way, and it just never lets off. And the pacing, I can't say enough about the pacing of the film. It was so well done. It keeps you interested from start to finish. You're so engrossed in the story, and it has some spectacular spectacular some of the best action sequences and stunt sequences that i've seen all year and knowing that some of these things tom cruise actually did like he actually jumped 
out of that plane when they do this uh, free falling shot. Um, when him and um, Cavill's character are jumping out of this plane, it's called a some Halo of those jump. shots that they shot. Halo jump, yes, yes, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, some of the sh- the shots during that Halo jump were actually him jumping out of that plane. So it so that's just remarkable to think about that he was able to do things like that. And for him, how old he's is Tom Cruise? He's in his fifties like now. Yeah, yeah. So like he's in his fifties now, and for him. To still be able to do these, to still be so believable, to have the magnificent performance that he had. And of course, the supporting cast was all great in this, too. It's really as good as everyone says. And that was a big surprise. Justin, I got a question for you all. Is Tom Cruise the greatest action movie star of all time? Um, I mean, he's definitely up there. Also, I just checked. He's 56. So that's crazy. But he's, um, I don't know if I would say the best, but he's definitely up there. He's got a lot of good ones. See, I don't know. That's my thing. I don't, I don't know if I have someone I would choose just off the top of my head as the best, but I just feel like there's others that are really up there too. So I don't know. I'd have to think on it. Wow. Well, okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say one. Uh, I'm I'm, going to say one, but I know I'm cheating with this because it's unfair, but you know, I'm going to be right with this. Jackie Chan. That's the only person I can say. That's the only. That's the only I person I'll say. You took Jackie my answer. Chan would be the only person that I would put over him. But when did Jackie Chan stop doing the real dangerous stuff? Man, forever. That's all he did in Hong Kong. Yeah, man. I think the sheer catalog yeah. might make him better, and probably because of the injuries he's sustained. Because Tom Cruise has really good luck. Like you never hear like Tom Cruise shouted his femur until this one. Until yeah, until. Until he did, uh, until he did Mission Impossible. What, what, uh, what happened to him? Fallout because he did. He broke his ankle. Oh, I ain't shit. That's still lucky. That's still luck. You. But they had to yeah. shut down shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that they had to shut down production. But still, a broken ankle after everything he's done. I mean, he literally pretty much taped himself to a plane and was like, "All right, take off." <laughs> the funny thing is, is the scene he breaks his ankle, the stunt he broke his ankle in, the shot they keep in the movie is the one he broke his ankle mm. on. The most real, like Vigo when he kicked that. Yeah, helmet. he does. He he does. He does a jump from building to building, and he legitimately does the jump. And whenever he hits the other building, like I've seen the slow mo of it, you can see his ankle go sideways uh, when he hits the building, and then he climbs up and runs off the camera. That is one hundred percent. That version of it in the film is him running off camera with a broken ankle. Oh. He broke his ankle and still finished the scene. Beast mode. And that is the 100% the one they have in the film. Straight beast mode. Okay, that's that's all I want to ask. Continue. Yeah. Uh, but no, in, in all seriousness, the, like to answer your question, though, like Tom Cruise, I think, does get overshadowed uh, uh, with that whole action movie thing, um, even though that's more or less all he does now. But he really is, I think, vastly underrated when it comes to action films. I mean, people can say whatever they want about these Mission Impossible films, but for the most part, They've done six movies and they've had four and a half good ones, depending on who you talk to. I mean, no one considers the second one good. It's kind of 50 50 on the third one. But the first, fourth, fifth and sixth are more or less universally considered good. So he's got four and a half good movies out of six, which for a franchise is amazing. Is knocking yeah, it's, it out it's, that's Walmart. amazing. Um, and one of my and one of the most underrated films in just recent memory uh, is a Tom Cruise film is uh, um, Edge of Tomorrow. 
Oh my God, Edge of Tomorrow. That I was just about to talk to you. Oh yeah, that was yeah. good. Um, it was in that was it, good. It, it's one hundred percent amazing. And for whatever reason, nobody watched it, and I don't understand why. Well, I know why. The marketing for it was bullshit. It was completely marketed yeah. wrong. And it when it, even when it came out to video, it was handled so poorly. They fucking changed the name when it came out on video, and that's fucking stupid. Yeah, it was it was terrible marketing. Yeah, because I even remember when it came when Edge of Tomorrow came out, and I remember just going. I remember us not having anything to do that weekend, and we were like, "Well, what's showing?" And I was like, "Well, Edge of Tomorrow. It's got Tom Cruise." And I remember going, "Have you heard anything, my friends? Have you heard anything about it? Not really." And we were like, "Man, we, you know, we just kind of took a chance with it." But nobody really had heard anything great about it. It wasn't we, marketed yeah, we well. But man, we were, we were all blown I've away. I've actually seen it like three or four times. So. It's just so good. Okay, so uh, for those of you guys who are rolling your eyes, like Tom Cruise, the best action star, give me a break. What about Vin Diesel with Chuck Norris? For all you guys who are saying that, right, let me let me just read you a bit of his catalog. Okay, Top Gun. All right, Days of Thunder. All right. These are action films. I don't care what you say. Mission Impossible. Um, we got Mission Impossible 2. Okay. We got Minority Report. Okay. We got Last Samurai. That's it may be a drama with there's tons of action in that. Collateral, once again, lots of action in that. Mission Impossible 3. Valkyrie. Um, Mission Impossible uh Ghost Protocol. Night and Day. Jack Reacher. Oblivion. Edge of Tomorrow. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Jack Reacher Never Go Back, The Mummy, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, look at that. Look at that catalog. How many of those are, are just certified classics? I mean, just fantastic. Uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, I got no idea. <laughs> oh, War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, War of the Worlds. So, but you definitely have a point. If anything... He is definitely underrated when it comes to action stars. I think you, that you have made a point, though, because until you said it, I didn't even think about it. But, yeah, he's kind of not even slowly, but surely, but just sort of kind of secretly became the best action star. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Right. Like, he's not. Yeah, because he's not ever labeled as that. Like, even when you think of action stars, I never think of him. But when you go back and look, but when you look at all the list of movies, you're like, man, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was really good. That had good action scenes. That was good, too. Man, and then you start to realize, wow, like, yeah, he without, should be yeah, in that conversation. Doubt, man. I mean, he really I, should. that's something I realized when we were just talking about it. I was like, wait, this man is 50-some years old and doing halo jumps? Come on, man. Come on, man. Everybody, show this man some respect, please. Yeah. Show him some yeah. respect. Yeah. Scientology is a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man, like, but it's just, cra it's just crazy, though, because, like, but yeah, like Jackie Chan might be the only one that's that's close to that, or he might be the only one close to Chan as far as doing these depthifying stunts and stuff like that. Because Chan is probably like the godfather of that. Like he just, man, he just did so much of that in you know in Hong Kong and everything, and he had so many um, movies like that in America. Just so many amazing stunts in his movies. 
But man, Tom Cruise is making a convincing argument. And I don't think no, there's without, anybody no, close no, to no, him no, today. Without, no. Here's my thing about like, Jackie Chan. There's, it's not just the stunts that I think Tom Cruise pulls up close to him, but it's the quality. Because Jackie Chan has got a lot of fucking stinkers in there. The tuxedo, the medallion. I mean, War of the World sucks. Uh, don't get me wrong. And the mummy was abysmal. We, I understand that, but that was more the studio, uh, and them trying to make that fail dark universe than anything else than Tom Cruise himself. I mean, if you go back to Jackie Chan, you got some, you got some, you got some stinkers in there. So when it comes to just delivering quality in action movies, which is a hard thing to do is to make a quality action film that isn't just cliched and just, you know, silly, man. You know, I think it's just your volume Jackie Chan beats him on uh, versus, you know, whether it be actual talent. And, um, you know, as far as being batshit crazy, we know Tom Cruise got that in droves. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're definitely right about that. Chan is definitely not the dramatic actor or I guess I should say he doesn't have the acting range of a Tom Cruise, not, not, not by any, not by any stretch of the imagination, but, but, but here, like Tom Cruise only has 46 movies under his belt. It was just crazy to me. Jackie Chan has been in 140 films, 140 films. Jackie Chan, how old is Jackie Chan? So, so Jackie Chan has been in 140 movies. Okay. So let's just mathematically break that down. Jackie Chan is 64 years old. So if he started acting at birth, which he didn't, he has been in 2.1 movies per year. So it's just on sheer action volume that he's better than Tom Cruise. But when it's a quality thing, I think Tom Cruise might have them on quality. Uh, If you have not seen the tuxedo, if you've seen the tuxedo, you know precisely what (laughs) I'm talking about. Um, But yeah, so... um, He's one of the best. Tom Cruise is one of the best action heroes. Uh, he's better than Diesel. Uh, and, and that's and that's a fact. Put that in your State of the Union. Beyond. Now, would you, what would you consider? Would you consider Dwayne Do- Johnson to be, you know, action star? Oh, without a doubt. But he's like, he's he's definitely like. He's newer too, though. So he 15. doesn't have as many under his belt. Action stars? Yeah, he's. Maybe in, 10. Maybe top 10. I, I could I could name 15 um, people better ooh, than him. I don't in, know. In action movies. Well, he's, he's the best. Right now. Okay. Um, Jackie Chan. How many of the Fast and Furiouses have you seen? What? I'm not being. Uh, I, that does doesn't matter. matter. I, I, I haven't seen all of them. I'm missing like one. But but if I have to, if I, if I can just say people I will put over him, Jet Li, Bruce Lee, Chow Yun-Fat. Um, I will put, um, what's the uh, dude? Tony Jaw. I'll put him over. Well, not Tony Jaw. He's, he's better than Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw lacks quality. Um, I will put, uh, like Arnold, uh, Chuck Norris. No, not Chuck Norris. Cause I hate him. Fuck Chuck Norris. Um, I put Arnie over him. Um, I will put, uh, a couple of people over him, but he's, he's top 10, top 15 yeah. without a doubt. You want to hear something that's going to blow all your minds? Do it. Bruce Lee's overrated. Okay. I'm not having this conversation anyway. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I'm not. Yes. Yeah. Make me blow a fucking gas in here. I, no. I understand his okay. importance. Oh, man. I understand. I understand his fighting. I understand the quality of that. His movies are not as good as people say they are. They're not. Now we're gonna go to Devin. What what's the surprise for you, Devin? 2018. Surprise. Go. 
Okay. Now, here's something that's going to blow your minds. Honestly, I'm speaking straight from the heart here, right off the cuff. Um, the movie that surprised me the absolute most was Black Panther. Um, I was cautiously optimistic about how they would portray him um, simple, simply because I've seen uh, Black-led superhero movies before. They're either completely devoid of any um, cultural resemblance to Black people like Blade or they're just like drenched in a whole bunch of cheesy ghetto black messages you know, uh, like Meteor Man. Very good point. And so, um, and, and, and so there was never a really good in-between. Um, I had no idea that it was going to gross well over a billion dollars. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. I had no idea it would become a cultural phenomenon and be considered one of the best Marvel movies. I had no idea that Saudi Arabia was going to lift their ban on film for a movie about black people, a black superhero. Did you if you if you tell me that you pegged that and you was like, yeah, I knew I knew Black Panther was going to be this phenomenon. I knew that people were going to be walking around doing the Wakanda symbol and, and quoting it. And it was going to start uh, controversy online and and it was going to, you know, make your racist friends on Facebook <laughs> just come out in full regalian. And it was going to spark it was going to spark so many debates and conversations about it and that everybody was going to be quoting it. And, and, and Chadwick Boseman was going to be. Um, everywhere, uh, like you know, MAGA hats. If you would have, if you would have told me that, um, especially at this time in yes. our country where we are, that that was going to be the movie that set off uh, and that everybody loved and that just was so uh, rapidly and and voraciously successful. I mean, it was it, it was a juggernaut. You just could not stop this Black Panther train. Train and and when you talk about this film. Um, for years to come, it is going to be significant. It's going to be significant. And the way African-Americans have been portrayed, will be portrayed in films from here on out, because from here on out, you can't say that uh, a black leading character who's positive, who uh, is wise, who's a leader, um, who's who's deep and complex, isn't a financially viable solution. You can no longer say that anymore. So there's no reason to to not make uh, great movies about black people. You can't say that a black led director is all one note pony who can only talk about slavery or they can talk about what happens in the hood. Um, and, and, um, and that that's the only good movies that we can really crank out for ourselves. Um, you don't, I mean, it had almost every black actor in Hollywood in it. Uh, and so I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that it took off the way it took off. And I'm so happy that it did, but it was a complete shock, a complete surprise because being here and living in the times we live in, um, it's just something I didn't think it was possible. I felt, I felt like when Obama got elected, even when Obama got elected, especially that second term, I was like, no way it happens. No way it happens twice. And I mean, and it happened and, and it's, and it's great. And I've seen it many, many times. Uh, and I rank it, you know, one of the best, best. It's like in my top two Marvel films. Love it. So that was my surprise, 2018. Side note on that, Chadwick Boseman, dude is 41 years old. That blows my mind. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I, no you're not. You want to know why? Because black don't crack, <laughs> baby. What's up? Up, 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 up? Especially if we're rich. If black people are rich, boy, 
we be we be late <laughs> to our own funeral because we sound <laughs> we look with our side dog. I'm sorry, black don't crack. Y'all get, get, keep, keep, keep <laughs> but seriously, I was like, I cannot believe he is 41 years old. That just, that blew my mind. That's crazy. I did not know that. That's crazy. Wow. All right, Heather. So what surprised you in 2018? Okay, so mine is, it might be a little bit cheesy to some people, <laughs> but for me, mine was, um, I feel pretty. Um, I'm not the biggest Amy Schumer fan. I think she's okay. I think she's a little bit overrated in how funny she is, but um, this movie particularly surprised me in a good way because it she had her normal, you know, Amy Schumer humor <laughs> about her, but the movie's message was really great, you know, and it, it's, you know, it, it relates to those, you know, a lot of women who you know, like the way that they see themselves and, you know, just how they don't see themselves the way other people see them. And that's something that I know a lot of people relate to that. And I really appreciated that they did that with this movie. So I think what surprised me is how strong and important the message of the movie was considering, you know, it's, you know, a romantic comedy with Amy Schumer, but um, she did a great job in it. You know, she did the character super well and, yeah, I just it, it just surprised me at how much I really enjoyed the message of this movie about, you know, just, you know, you don't see yourself the way that other people see you, you know, and I, I just really appreciated that. And I know that it speaks to me and I know it speaks to a lot of other, especially women that I know. But um, yeah, so that one was a surprise for me, but I did actually really enjoy it. Well, that was probably the most surprising answer I've gotten to this question so far on this podcast. <laughs> And apparently nobody else has anything to say about it. All right. So I'll move into mine. Um, <laughs> my biggest surprise of this year uh, is the movie that is gotten a lot of critical acclaim as of recently. And some other people have kind of talked about it, but I've actually gotten to see it because I don't live in a shithole. Sorry to bother you. Um, and it's, it's not surprising <laughs> me that like that, you know, the actor or the director or anything like that could do this type of movie. Um, it really just surprised me because in all honesty, even though I had seen a trailer for it and all this other stuff, this movie really just does come out of nowhere and it just blindsides you. Um, and that movie is also one of those, those movies where the trailer does an amazing job of giving you just the right amount of information you need to get intrigued. So when you watch this movie, you get so much more from it than what you actually see. Um, I don't even know how to put into words some of the things that happen in that movie um, that within itself are probably some of the most surprising things I've seen this year. Uh, it It's just an incredibly well-acted, well-written, and well-directed movie in all ways, shape, or form. And I really do think that uh, everybody owes themselves, you know, to go watch this movie. Uh, just keep an open mind because... While most of it really is a good movie and a good message, there are some things in it you will not be ready for. And I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. Uh, I'm just telling you now, you will not be ready for them. Even if I said what they were right now, you would not be ready for the shit that will fucking happen to you in that movie. Um, but you do need to go see it any, whenever you can, however you can. I'm very much against pirating movies. But if you did it just so you could say you watched it, and then you promised that you would go buy it later so they would at least make some money. I'd kind of be okay with it because I do think it is a must-see movie. Yeah, I'm going to go see that as soon as I possibly can. God, there's so many good movies out. 
I know so many. Cinefans, let us know what what are your favorite movies this year? What what's something that you really loved? What's something that uh, you didn't really like from 2018? Um, and then what's something that just surprised you? What took you you know what took you off your your keister and made you go? Huh? <laughs> you want to know? Uh, comment. Go to our website. Go to our Facebook. Go to our Insta. Let us know what's up. And. For the rest of 2018, Heather, what is something you are excited about or can't wait to watch? Okay. Um, For me, the movie A Simple Favor, which comes out, I believe, in September. So next month, uh, not too far away. But um, I'm excited for that. It's Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. And it's um, a mystery about a woman who disappears. And they're trying to figure out like what happened to her. And it looks amazing. And I was watching an interview that they were doing about the movie and they, they associated it or they compared it to kiss, kiss, bang, bang, which I love. I think that's a great movie. So if it's like a female version of that, I'm all in for it. So I, I think it's going to be really good. I think the casting already is just already going to intrigue me with it and just the storyline of it. You know, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Um, I believe it is based off of a book, which I have not read, but I just am really excited to see what happens in the movie. And Justin, what are you waiting for? Um, Man, there are so many movies in 2018 that I'm excited for, but I lightly mentioned it earlier, but I think I'm going to go ahead and stick with something that I had said earlier, and that's this uh, Black Klansman movie. Um, Spike Lee is a director that is just kind of near and dear to my heart, and it's been a while since I feel like he's really just had that breakout movie that was just universally liked by people. Sometimes he can be a polarizing director. He had a lot of hits like uh, Crooklyn and Do the Right Thing early in his career. And then there were just some movies that, um, and there were some other great ones in the middle there, like The Inside Man and stuff like that. But School from, Days. Yeah, School he's Days. Have it. Mm-hmm. All of those movies were great and then there was kind of a period where he was making movies but they they just weren't kind of garnering that same critical acclaim they weren't getting that kind of buzz yeah oh boy oh man let's not even go there but like you know he had just kind of had fallen from that reputation and that momentum that he once had but everything i'm hearing about this black klansman seems like a return to form for him I'm hearing nothing but great things. It's already critically acclaimed on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. And people are saying that this is really a subject that they could tell by his filmmaking. He was very interested in it, that he was doing everything in his power to really get this message and this story across. So I am just thoroughly, thoroughly excited to see this movie. It's coming out this weekend. And I just can't wait um, to check it out in the movie theaters. I just really can't wait. And um, for people who just may not know anything about what Black Klansman is, or you haven't seen a preview or anything like that, what it's about is it's about this uh, guy named Ron Stallworth. And it's based on true events. So he's the first African-American detective to serve in the police department. And he's trying to make a name for himself. So. He tries to infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan. 
So it's about this story of this detective trying to expose this, this, of course, the legendary hate group known as the Ku Klux Klan, of course, with everything they've done throughout history. So it's supposed to be a great film. It's directed by Spike Lee. And like I said, it's got a lot of momentum going in the theaters and it's been critically acclaimed by a lot of different people. So I am looking forward to this being a return to form for Spike Lee. And then also it has um, Donald Driver in it um, be- oh, yeah. uh, because the way he infiltrates it is he does it over a phone and he has like a, a, a white man be his ringer. Um, Adam Driver? Donald Driver. I mean, it's Adam, so not Donald Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver. My bad. Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Heather. Uh, so you got Clan Loren in there. So, you know, for all you guys who just love <laughs> The Last Jedi, uh, thank you, Heather. I can always count on you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I Kylo try. Show. Donald Driver. <laughs> Kylo show, baby. It's a Kylo show. <laughs> Dude Shoot, is an amazing yeah. actor. I'm not going to lie. He's great. He's yes, really good at Logan yes. Lucky, too. I saw that. And he was really yeah, good. Yeah, he is. Too. All right. So, Devin, what are you waiting for? Well, I was going to say some like regular stuff, like stuff that everybody's looking forward to uh, that's coming out, like, you know, Fantastic Beasts and all that stuff like that. But actually, I saw a trailer today of a smaller project that people may not know about that just really got me excited because it just hit me in the old nostalgias. Um, Jonah Hill is making his directorial debut, and it's called Mid-90s. So it's all about um, young kids in that like Los Angeles skateboard, skater boy scene. Uh, and uh, it just looks great. I mean, it reminds me of my childhood uh, doing extreme sports, hanging out with people who did extreme sports and just kind of watching like CKY videos and looking up for people like Johnny Knoxville and those guys like that. And, you know, having a bunch of stoner friends with long hair. And it just reminded me of when I grew up, um, you know, experimenting with music and experimenting with different types of people hanging out and, and experimenting with, you know, just just different types of everything, you know, just trying to find myself. So uh, it looks like I think it's kind of full circle that, you know, Jonah Hill uh, rose to popularity um, in Superbad. And the first movie he directs is a coming of age story, uh, uh, which is really great. So it looks like Stand By Me, except set in the mid 90s uh, and in California. So I'm excited about that. It's called Mid 90s. I'm I'm going to say that more or less after what I'm about to tell you guys, I'm going to be essentially a professional MLB pitcher, a starting pitcher in the MLB with this loop I am about to throw your way. This is not something anybody will expect. Oh, my. It's an even smaller project than the one that Devin just talked about. The movie that I am looking forward to the most in 2018 at this point is this feature that comes out in about three weeks, if I'm thinking right. It is called Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. That's right, people. The Puppet Master franchise is coming back for another movie. And this one isn't even going to be like a small movie. This one has like Thomas Lennon in it, you know, from uh, Reno 911 and a billion movies that everybody knows. Okay. Okay. He is in this movie. Oh my God. There's another fucking Puppet Master movie coming. There's literally not a, like anything that is better than that phrase. There is another Puppet Master movie that is the single best phrase <laughs> no. that has ever been said in the English language. 
Um, I can't tell you how stoked I am for this. <laughs> I love the Puppet Master movies. I love all of them. They are amazing. Uh, since uh, we last recorded with some other people, I have actually seen all the Puppet Master movies now. And I can't tell you how. There you go, Ryan Crow. I am insanely excited by this. There's just another one coming out, and it's going to be glorious. There's just nothing that will be better than this movie this year. So when we do our end of the year podcast, just be ready for <laughs> me to tell you that the best movie this year is Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, because there's just no way. There is no way that there will be a movie better than that this year. Well, oh, everybody, if you've never suffered from depression, you now know what it's like. <laughs> Knowing that there's a person on this earth who is looking forward to the next installment in the Puppet Masters. <laughs> Ice. So, uh, yeah. You tell me one other series that will have 11 movies that's better than it. Exactly. Godzilla. Nothing. Nothing. I just said Godzilla. Nobody's going to hear you say anything because I'm going to cut out you saying Godzilla. (laughs) So it's just going to be silence and then me going, exactly. (laughs) You bastard. You bastard. You freaking bastard. The littlest right. The littlest right. Guys, we do not not listen. We do not have time. It's. It, it is almost midnight. We don't have time. I want to ask Justin one question. Why are you confused by the like the subheading here? What do you mean? No, what is it's not just... the littlest Reich? That's not. It's like the title of a little rascals episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, Reich. it makes complete sense if you watch <laughs> if you if you've watched all of the um, the Puppet Master movies. A lot of them have to do with nazi germany yeah there's gonna have some little nazi puppets i got it but still why well, because there's nazi puppets in this world damn it <laughs> okay please yeah that's just- what that's what i'm thinking about i'm just thinking about nazi puppets and um if anybody ever wants to see what incredibly racist puppets look like um go look at some of the ones from the, the <laughs> these later uh go watch if you want to see Listen, if you want to see what incredibly racist puppets look like, just go watch a uh, Jeff Dunham comedy special. Well, there yes, you go. You, you can do it. that. Or you can just watch some <laughs> of the, the recent Puppet Master movies when they are dealing with the puppets that the Nazis do make. Uh, the the Puppet Master puppets do face off against Nazi puppets, and some of them are worse because there is this uh, puppet that is supposed to be based on essentially um japanese people called kamikaze and dear god it kind of makes me ashamed that i love that movie um that's the only thing that makes me yeah because other than that it's pretty much magic (laughs) i i I don't know what you're trying to imply there heather because uh yeah it's amazing other than that guys is there anything else about 2018 that you want to mention real quick before we move on to our next little point um no i'm really trying to get away from this point as quickly as possible all right so we're all in agreement puppet master little reich's gonna be amazing all right so now moving on to our final topic of this podcast because i'm gonna delete all your reactions to that i do want to get your impressions on it guys the academy awards announced a new category today it'll be achievement in pop film what are your thoughts about that starting with you Devin? um you know, at first I was like, oh, that's good. That's awesome. But then I remembered the populace. And I think it's a slippery slope because this year we might have a Black Panther or a Quiet Place or something like that. Uh, but then next year we or five years from now, we might have uh, um, just based purely off of popularity, 
uh, the Twilight reboot or some shit. Uh, and uh, I hope they have some strict guidelines for what is popular and why it gets an Oscar. Because if I ever have to hear Oscar winner winning director Michael Bay, I'm I might do I might do something desperate. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid to say what I'll do because you know PC and everything, but it'll be a desperate act of a desperate man. So I think it's a slippery <laughs> slope, man. I think it's a slippery slope. Heather, thoughts? Honestly, I'm. I think I'm all for it. Um, I think it'll mix it up because, um, you know, I love the Oscars, but you kind of start to learn what to expect and movies you expect to be in it and not to be in it. And uh, sometimes those movies that they choose are not the ones that everybody loved. And I think this is a good chance to uh, put in there, like you know your 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 movies that everyone loved, like you were saying, Black Panther or A Quiet Place, where everybody loved them, but you know there's no chance typically that they would be Oscar nominated films. So I actually think it's a good little mix. I do hesitate to see like what choices they will put in there too, but I think it'll be a good mix. It's called the Golden Globes. <laughs> I see. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what are you thinking? Okay. Well, when I first heard the announcement, I mean, the thing that immediately came to mind was, okay, I guess some comic book movies are going to get some Oscar credit. That was the first thing that came to my mind is, okay, right now, the a lot of the most popular movies are these superhero movies. So this must mean that, and and they're making the most money. So it just indicated to me that that's something that more than likely, this is a chance for a comic book movie to kind of get that recognition and get that Oscar. So as a comic book fan, as a comic book movie fan, I'm all for that. But I'm already seeing kind of a backlash from this online, just going to different chats and stuff like that. And there are already people kind of speaking out against this, saying that it's just totally political and that they're going to try to give this to a movie like Black Panther just because um of the media attention it got or they're going to try to give it to this movie because of the way the leftists in uh who make all the Oscar decisions think so I don't know I'm already seeing kind of another attitude towards this which is negative that this is just going to be a purely political type of award that isn't going to be based off of any merit of the film or anything like that but I don't know I think you could almost argue that for the award ceremony itself. So I don't know if this, you know, this one category is going to take any legitimacy from the Oscars. If anything, I think for the most part, it could be positive. It'll add to it. Maybe we will see a movie that was universally loved, but isn't necessarily Oscar bait actually win something. And overall, I think that's a good thing. It feels like a good thing. If I can just say something really quick to that, I think you're right, Justin, because, for example, Get Out, which was nominated last year for an Oscar, we knew it wouldn't, wasn't going to win for Best Picture. But in a category like this, it might have won, you know, so movies that might actually exactly. deserve that kind of praise can maybe win in this category. Yes. Yes. I mean, I just I wish that they would just go ahead and add other characters like Best Horror Film and other genres and just break it up. Right. Like that. Maybe this is an experiment to see how that goes. Um, you know, we'll see. And if it, and, and, uh, and overall, if it's tried to get more fan interest in the Oscars, 
Because let's face it, sometimes when you look at the Oscar categories, none of those favorite super popular movies are usually in there. You know, you might see them every now and then for technical awards or for best costume design or something like that. But they're never like runner ups in a major category. Every now and then we get a surprise like Logan got a nomination that um, uh, uh, last year or something like that. But a lot of times those really popular favorite movies aren't in there, like Heather was saying. So, you know, if, if the goal is to get more people to watch the awards show because movies that they like are going to be in categories, then I do see it working for that reason. And I'll say this. Um, there's really nothing to also say that a movie can't be nominated for best, you know, for achievement in pop film and also not be nominated for uh, best picture. Like something like Black Panther would fit in both categories. True. Um, but also, I, I see this as an important thing and something that is needed. And I don't think it's a very recent or political issue we've had. Because if you go back a few years and think about the year that Hurt Locker beat Avatar, Avatar really did not have a place in best picture. Um, but I actually I could see it winning uh, something like a achievement in pop film because I mean, shit, it is the highest grossing movie of all time. So, I mean, th- there is something to be said for something like that. Cause I mean, it resonated with somebody and uh, you know, so there are, it, it, it does expand things because, you know, maybe uh, a movie that, you know, the Academy is kind of iffy on, um, it might end up taking a spot in best picture over a movie that might deserve it a little more, but they have to do something because of how big it was Uh, like avatar. Avatar was a monster film. You can't not have it in that category considering it was the highest grossing movie of all time, even then. And it wasn't even close. So you have to acknowledge that on that level. So, I mean, I I think that's why they put it in best picture. And so this would give it an out, uh, you know, an outlet to be in without taking up a slot for best picture that maybe another more deserving movie needs to be in. And it's one of those things. Also, we've seen so many fucking like Oscar bait movies. Like, I mean, three billboard, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I don't really like that movie. It, to me, it is, yeah, man, it I... is the definitive definition of an Oscar bait movie, you know, yeah. It's it's got great acting. It's got good writing. It's a technically well made movie, but overall, it's just it's not a good movie. It's just technically got all the parts. I mean, to me, it's a lot like Hereditary. Technically, it's got all the parts. <laughs> overall, it doesn't amount to much for me. And I think so, you know. But it is an Oscar bait movie. It's exactly everything you want in an Oscar you know, best picture nominated movie, a best, you know, all those categories, it's that type of movie. So it deserves, you know, it'd be a best picture and, you know, you could get a movie that was just, you know, kind of a better all around thing, you you know, just kind of in there. So I'm really excited for the initial, you know, achievement and, and pop film going to puppet master, the littlest right. Cause you know, it's going to win full circle. I went there. Oh my God. Um, also, to touch back on something I did say earlier, I'm going to correct myself in the same episode instead of doing it later. When I was talking about The Incredibles 2 being the highest grossing animated movie of all time, I do want oh, to yes, preface opening. that. No, no, no. I do want to preface it. That's domestic box office only. There are a few other movies that make it 
uh, over it when you include worldwide box office like Frozen, Toy Story three, and oddly enough, Minions. Uh, when you oh. add when you add oh, you when you, see, that's a popular movie thing I'm talking. When about. you add worldwide Minions. box office. You do, you know, get those movies ahead of it. But as far as U.S. domestic box office goes, it is the number one animated movie of all time, reaching over five hundred million dollars. Um, and also a little side note: we did wow. talk about it earlier. Um, if anybody wants to doubt the importance of a movie like Black Panther, it is the third movie ever, and it was certified today uh, or this week or close to now, whenever. Uh, it's the third movie ever in U.S. history to gross over 700 million in U.S. box office alone. Uh, wow! So yeah, and 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 a bunch of black people didn't do that. Just to let you guys know, it took took a, a team effort to get it that high, guys. So if you're talking about that, it's just <laughs> right. so if you so if you're saying it's some leftist conspiracy, man, you're yeah. in the minority, dog. I'm sorry. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't thirteen percent of the population oh, that no. made that happen. Yeah, so we are, like, we are it's impossible. We ain't even thirteen. We ain't even teenagers. We're not. We're not even thirteen even anymore. Oh my god. We ain't even teenagers. We eleven point five. We preteens in this hole. <laughs> yes, it is. It is the third movie to ever do that. Uh, only ones ahead of it are, of course, Avatar because it m- made just stupid amounts of money. And why did I space on that? Uh, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens are the only other U.S. domestic movies that have made more money than that. So just a little bit of trivia for you guys. It is it has made a stupid amount of money and for all the right reasons. It, at least it's not like a Transformers or anything like that where it makes stupid amounts of money and you don't know why. This has made stupid amounts of money and it's at least <laughs> good. So, hey, that's a good plus. Um, thank you guys for listening to us. Make sure you check us out on Instagram. Uh, or Twitter, which is cinema underscore slayers. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, comment our stuff, share it, uh, like, share, and review this podcast on whatever app you use. Um, and just listen to more things, share it. Let us know what you want to talk about. Give us topics. If you guys want to hear us talk about something, uh, let us know if there's any. We're going to change the way we're doing our written formatted reviews. So keep a lookout for that. It's going to be kind of more in style with what uh, people do nowadays. So just keep a lookout for that. And Thank you guys for listening.